So, we're still in Galatians. Wandering around as Paul has been ministering there in this sort of spiritual Disneyland where if you wanted a religion, you could find it there. If you were from another part of the world, you had your home religion, probably had a temple and a spot there for you to come and to be. It was a crossroads. It it was a a place of trade. It it was a place uh, where where no one would have believed that this gospel could have started a fire that affected the entire world. Maybe in Jerusalem it was a relatively religious city. But Galatia, with rank pagans who were out there doing all of their stuff, this wasn't a very good strategic move, God. I would probably send you to Rome or or maybe to some other part in northern Africa or somewhere there, but to Galatia? And Paul went to Galatia. And he ministered there, and he began to live out the gospel in the midst of the people who were there. And he started churches, and now, uh, a number of years later, is writing back to them this letter. And we've said that, remember, there's no emails, there's no blogs, there's none of this electronic stuff. They would have gotten this letter, and they would have read it, and they would have copied it and passed it on to the other churches in the area. And and they would have read it from cover to cover, from front to end. They wouldn't have had it busted up into paragraphs, into verses and chapters like we do. And they would have seen in this letter, Paul, their friend, their pastor, uh, the apostle, writing and saying, folks... Don't steer away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you were saved by grace through faith in him. Don't move again to law. Don't move back to your old paganism. Don't move into anything of the, the Judaizers, those false teachers who are coming from Jerusalem saying you've got to go back to the law. You've got to go back to moralism. You've got to go back to legalism. It starts with Jesus, but it's Jesus plus something else. Paul says all of that will steal your freedom. It will lead you back into bondage. And he said there in Galatians 5, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't return again to a yoke of slavery. But live free lives. Live in the freedom that is the gospel. Folks, that message was important in that day and it's important today. For so many, many people, you still live in bondage of fear. You live in bondage to sin. You live in bondage to religion. Uh, I know I've joked around that we may be in the South, but most of you don't come from the South. And people go, oh, well, the South is just filled with church-going good folks. Well, what I'm finding out about the Northeast and the Midwest and others, guess what? They're filled with good church-going folks, Roman Catholic backgrounds and Reformed backgrounds and Baptist backgrounds that go to church every single week. I was talking to somebody uh, just the other day who said they had a family member who went to church every single day of the week. Had to go every day. Why? Because they were just so in love with Jesus? They were afraid that if they didn't, Jesus might not love them fully in that. We're motivated and bound in these things. So many of you have been bound uh, by a fear that maybe this is the one that that just does it. God goes, that's enough, McCutcheon. I'm tired of you. You keep messing up. I'm finished with you. And so you live, and others of you have this picture of God's grace and salvation that somewhere along the line you said, I believe, I'm a Christian now, and it's sort of this cosmic bathtub filled with righteousness, filled with the perfections of Jesus. And God said, okay, here's the deal with you. It's a little race against time. The bathtub, it's filled up. And that's the perfections of Jesus. And every time you mess up, it goes down a little bit. And so you better hope 
that you die before the bathtub is empty. Well, there's a plan. And then the cosmic hand reaches down into the bathtub and goes, pulls the plug, and the water starts going out. And guess what you start doing? Scrambling around to get into a church and to get your kids into church and to quit drinking too much and to quit smoking so much and to quit cheating on your golf game and to quit driving so fast and to try to be nice to the dog that you used to kick. And all of a sudden, you're just doing these things, and the motivation isn't freedom at all, is it? It's terror. Because, you know, the only way to get a little more water in there is to do good stuff. And so you keep doing good things and you keep doing righteous things. And you keep going to church and you go to youth group and, and you do all of these things. And you're hoping that that water level is going to keep coming up. But you know deep down inside it's constantly going out. Paul is saying that's not freedom at all. It's absolute bondage and terror. And you just hope that at the end of the day, you hope there's a drip left. And God says, Barely, McCutcheon, but you're in. Paul's saying, that's not how you should live. God has filled up your life. He's filled up that cosmic bathtub with the righteousness of Christ. And guess what you get to do in it? Swim and splash around and someone's going to go out and that's okay because the Spirit continues to fill it up and you're going to keep messing up and you're going to keep busting up these beautiful little bells and you're going to keep messing up over here and you're going to keep doing these things. And the beauty of Christ is, he says, I've already paid for that one. Oh, and that one too and, and that one too. And you say, wow, this is amazing. And so you don't go out and keep just busting all the rules just because you can. You say, if this is this incredible God that I have, I'd like to live in a way that really honors him and reflects who he is. That's what Paul's been talking about. And so now Paul comes in the midst of this relationship to a very difficult point. He realizes that he's been speaking truth to them. He's correcting them. He's challenging them. There's a danger with truth-telling, isn't there? That's the title this week. A danger of truth-telling. That of speaking truth to someone is scary for most of us, isn't it? There's a great commercial that I saw a number of years ago. And there was a guy sitting, it was obviously in a, in a women's dress boutique, and he's sitting in the chair. At least they were nice enough to put a chair for the poor guy to sit there. And they had a, a Newsweek or a, a Wall Street Journal for him. And he's sitting and he's reading the Wall Street Journal. And his bride walks out in this, and she's a beautiful young woman in a beautiful dress. And she stands up on the little podium, and guys don't know what that is, but you know, she stands up and there's mirrors all around. And she's standing there spinning around and she says, honey, does this dress make me look fat? And he goes, yep. And he pops the newspaper right back up. And the tagline is, live boldly. <laughs> Women, do you want to put fear and terror into your husband's lives? Ask them, does this dress make me look fat? They won't know what to do. Um, no, yeah, what? Honey, if you're comfortable in it, then it's perfect. I mean, you're just like, ah. And so we skirt around and we don't know what to do. And, and you've got other men who, and men have the same problem. I had a, a guy come to me one time, and he had one of those beautiful comb-overs that started somewhere just about the ear and wrapped around, and he somehow sort of tied it over here. He said, Bill, does it look natural? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's natural. <laughs> 
bad, but natural. And, and you're just like, oh, we don't want to have to say truth. We, we just want to hedge a little bit. In the South, those of you who aren't from here, we call it hemming and hawing. We just like to hem and haw around a little bit, and we dance and skirt around the issues. And in my home growing up, that my daddy was from the South, and so he had a wonderful dance. And my mom was from New York City, and she just said it like it was. And so our house was just, and he's running, and she's speaking, and it's just going nuts. Well, Paul is now coming, and he says to them, I've got to tell you the truth. And I'm willing to say the truth because it's important enough, and I'm willing to risk the relationship with you because it's more important for me to love you by telling you the truth than to manipulate you and lie to you and not love you. That's where we are. It's at that point. And so this week we're going to look at that and talk about that for a few minutes uh, together. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to Galatians chapter 4, looking at verses 8 through 21. This is God's word. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. <laughs> Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And that though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? This is God's word. May he add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. Truth-telling. Wow. It's hard to tell the truth. It's dangerous to tell the truth. It's dangerous for a child to tell the truth in their minds to their parents because they know that there's going to be repercussions for that. And so the natural tendency of the child is to lie or to hide. It's dangerous within adult relationships to tell truth because you know that if you tell the truth, there's something that you can't control, and that's the reaction of the person who's hearing you speak. And all of our lives are basically, we try to mitigate variables. We try to to condense them. We try to control as many of the variables as possible. And so what we want to do, we, we have our little crystal balls. And we have sort of rubbed them and we looked at them. And we go, if I speak truth in this situation, this is what's going to happen. Therefore... I'm not fully going to disclose truth. I'm going to lie because I believe if I lie, this is going to happen. 
Do you see the position we put ourselves in? We stand above that we somehow know how things are going to be in the future. We, we, we discern that, oh, this is how it's going to be. Or we've experienced something in the past of, well, when I did this before, this is how it happened. And therefore, I promise never to do that again. I shared my heart with somebody one time. I was honest about something one time and they rejected me. And therefore, I'm not ever coming back and doing that again. I'm going to live a closed, guarded life and no one's going to get to know me. I'm not going to speak truth to anybody and I'm not going to let anybody speak truth to me again. And so we've come and created all of this stuff around the truth-telling bit. And Paul says right here, just because I spoke the truth to you, have I now become your enemy? And so in the few minutes we have together, we're going to back into that and say, first, let's look at the motivation for truth-telling. Let's ask the question, what's your motivation for telling someone the truth? Here in Paul's situation, it was absolutely out of love for the people. He was their pastor. He had a deep and profound love for them. And he said, I love you so much that I want to tell you this. I have labored in, in, in your lives. I have been there with you. I have shared these things with you. And it is the truth. It's the truth because I saw Christ raised. I encountered him. I know it's the truth. I know it's the, can- it's the cure for what ails you. And I've told that to you and I was with you and I loved you and you loved me. Interesting how God uses circumstance. Paul, something was wrong with Paul when he was traveling through. He was obviously on his way to somewhere else. And God said, Paul, you're going to stay in Galatia for a while. He said he had some ailment and some of you are so interested in that ailment. And here's my answer to the ailment. I have no idea. And neither does anybody else. So that's good enough. And so you move on and you go, oh, he was sick. And so he stayed there. And it was something that was so, so intense that he said it was a trial to you. That the people had to care for him. Can you imagine? Here's Paul. They're going, hey, we got Paul who's coming through. And then Paul's there and he's sick. And he's having to convalesce in their midst and heal in their midst. And while he was there, he wasn't just kicking back at the spa. He was there ministering in their midst. And he said their relationship grew so deeply. Look at the words that he uses in this passage. We loved one another so much that you would have gouged out your eyes for me if I'd asked for them. Can you, can you think of one person you'd be willing to do that for? Most of you would have a hard time thinking of that one person. And Paul says, that's how I felt about you, Galatians. That's how much I loved you. This was our relationship. And so now, if my motivations in your life that you saw lived out in your presence for those years that I was with you, if that's the case, have my motivations changed? My motivation now for telling you that you are in terrible jeopardy of believing a theology and believing a gospel that will lead you to hell and damnation and back into slavery. Am I not loving you now by telling you that? The motivation for Paul to speak these hard words of truth to them. Remember what he said just a little while earlier in this letter. (laughs) They would have gone back and said, yeah, he called us foolish. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Who's bewitched you in front of whose eyes Christ was crucified? Ah. You silly little people, what's wrong with you? Is kind of, it's just this sense of Paul urging and going, I don't get it, what's going on with you guys? And he's doing it and motivated by love towards them. That's why he's willing to speak the truth to them. Which leads us to this first thing. When you determine that it's important to speak the truth to someone, what's your motive? 
why do you want to tell that person they're wrong? Why do you want to tell that person that what they're doing isn't appropriate, that what they're wearing, that stripes and plaids don't go together? Uh, Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to speak truth into someone's life? Stop for a moment and ask your motive. Because in the midst of this, there are always mixed motives. I get that. But there are also just motives that are sinister. Some of you and some of us like to say truth just because we like to be right. You ever been around someone like that? Well, I have the gift of truth-telling. Great. What that means is you're about to beat the crud out of me. And you go, well, Bill, I just feel that I I just need to say this to you. I remember taking a friend to lunch one time. I took him to lunch because something had happened in his life with a close friend of his. And I just wanted to just say, how are you? I know it's had to have been difficult. And as I sat there, he said, Bill, and we didn't have a great relationship anyway. But I was trying. He sat there and he went, Bill, this is very difficult for me. And I'm thinking he's talking about his life situation but I need to say this to you. And he went on to tell me some truth about my life. Bill, you overpromise and you underdeliver. You frustrate me and you do this and you've done it for years with me. And I feel like just as a brother in Christ, I just need to tell you that. Check. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Really? His motivation wasn't a deep and sincere love for me. It was a deep and profound frustration with me. And he felt like he needed to let me know that, that my actions had frustrated him. And he just wanted me to know. He didn't really care that I corrected them. It was much more along the lines of, I just want to be right in your life. So check your motivations. Why do you want to tell somebody that they're wrong? See if it's motivated by love. And that's what Paul was saying. My motivation for you is love. My motivation for you is that you won't go back again into something that's damnable. I am trying to say this to you. I'm trying to communicate truth to you so that you're not going to go destroy yourself. I love you so much that I don't want you running down that road. When I say to teenagers, guys, don't go out and keep having premarital sex. Don't go out and keep getting drunk. Don't go testing drugs. Don't go driving around like you're an idiot driving 65 through the roads. Don't do that. It's not just because I want to take away your fun. I say that to my boys because I absolutely love them. I don't want them to die. And as a pastor and I say that to you, it's not because I hate you, it's because I love you. What's your motivation for sharing with someone else those things? Husbands, do you love your wives enough to to speak truth in their lives as it pertains to gossip and to to other things that are going on. Wives, do you love your husbands enough and motivated by love enough to speak to them truth uh, about things in their life? Are we loving one another enough to speak truth? But it's got to be motivated by love. Love for God, yes, and people hide behind that. Well, I'm just speaking truth. Now, there's a general platform, I understand, where you just need to speak truth. But what I'm talking about is much more in the relational side of it. And that leads to that second thing. The the motivation should be love. Love enough for you that I want you to experience the fullness of what God has for you. 
I love you enough to tell you these things about Jesus, not because I don't want you to enjoy Buddhism or I don't want you to enjoy whatever else you're involved in. I'm trying to tell you the truth and the beauty of who Christ is so that you get to enjoy heaven. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because if I didn't tell you that, it would actually be hatred towards you. Not indifference, but hatred. So the motivation should be love. And that's what Paul said here is, I've loved you. Has anything in my life shown anything but love for you? No. He says, and then the second thing is the context for truth-telling is within relationships. Look at what Paul said. He said, I've been with you. We know one another. We live open lives before one another. You've seen all my dirty laundry. You've seen me. And we've been in relationship together. Such deep and profound relationships that I look at you as a mother looks at a child giving birth. I'm not a mom. And I can only imagine, though, having been next to a mom giving birth three times. And having been next to a mom who lost children as well. Just that deep and profound love for that child. That all of the pain was worth it. That it is just a bond that's there. And it's in the context of that relationship that Paul is talking. That he doesn't just walk up to some group indiscriminately and start blasting truth at them. It's within the context of loving, healthy, gospel-centered relationships that are coming together. And folks, that's what the church is supposed to be about. But for most of us, we walk in the door and we walk out the door and there's no contact with anybody else. We live isolated lives and so that there's no venue for truth telling. There's really no venue for me to engage your life or you to engage mine or to engage anybody else's. We just live these estranged lives going around and every now and then they tangentially bump. And the only time I'd speak truth to you is if your life somehow negatively impacts mine. The church is supposed to be a place for deep Loving relationships, to be known by other people. All of us have that desire, but is it scary to be known by others? Man, yeah, why? You might not like me. If you know everything about me, you may reject me, so it's better for me just to not tell you a whole lot. We stay in dating relationships, is but we do. Because you know the essence of dating and courtship is all about concealing, Right? Guess what the essence of marriage is? Revealing. So for all this time, you've worked on how to conceal yourself in order to win the bride or win the groom or win the friendship. And then all of a sudden you get into the marriage and guess what they see? Oh my gosh. You do that? That sound came from you? You never did that when we were dating. Well, it's just who I am, honey. Love me with all my warts. I mean, it's just we hide. And then all of a sudden we're in this, what in the world? We wonder why marriages struggle. But the church is like that. It's all about concealing. Again, I say it. I'm glad you guys look nice, but why do you look so nice today? Is it because you had such a wonderful day yesterday and such a great night last night? And today's just the overflow of that? Or was today that... Uh, Got to go to church. Can't let them see me looking bad today. So I got to get there. I don't want anybody thinking that we're a ragtag little family. So, Sonny, get up and get to church and sing when you get there. <laughs> Why? It's just we don't understand loving, healthy relationships. So deep that you would say, I'd be willing to gouge my eye out for you or you for me. That it's so profound that it goes beyond family and blood. It's something deep. Pause there for a second. 
Do you have any relationships like that? And just saying, well, Bill, I'm married. You can be married and it's nothing more than a roommate. I tell singles, be careful. Don't run to marriage just not to be lonely because marriage can be the loneliest place you've ever been. Do you have relationships that are so deep that that's what Paul was talking about? He was just crying. He goes, I am begging you. I love you so much. Stop this. Motivation, love. Context, deep, loving, healthy relationships where you're known and are known by others and they know you and all that kind of back stuff. And then the third thing, well... What's the risk with it? Or what are the counterfeits? Let's go there for a second. What are the counterfeits to it? The counterfeits are what he says here. There are some people who were there telling what they thought was truth, but Paul says they're actually manipulating you. The counterfeit to truth-telling is flattery. And so there was this whole group of people coming evidently into Galatia, and they were speaking to the Galatians, and they were flattering them, and they were saying half-truths to them, and they were going, and Paul says, it's great to be wanted, isn't it? Isn't it nice to be wanted? But don't you want to be wanted for the right reasons? Don't you want to be wanted for the essence of who you are, not for the appearance that you put out or what you can provide for the other person? What Paul was saying was these folks, quote unquote, love you and they're speaking to you, but they don't really care about you. They care what you can do for them. They want to be able to go back to Jerusalem and go, okay, we took care of Galatia. We, we changed it. We got that all figured out. Instead of truly loving the folks. There's counterfeits that are out there. And you need to know what those counterfeits are so that you're not presenting counterfeits to other people because what they really need is love. They don't need flattery. Kindness, obviously, in the midst of truth-telling. But they need you to love them through truth in their lives. But here's the great risk in that. Here's the danger, and we'll end with this today, the danger of truth-telling. Paul said, just because I told you the truth, I've now become your enemy. Isn't that one of the dangers? That somewhere in the translation, my loving... Now think, Paul did it in the right context. Healthy relationships. He did it with the right motivations, through love. He didn't use flattery. He didn't use any of that, and yet... Even in the midst of the perfect situation, some of the people in the church said, Paul doesn't love us, he's our enemy. There's a risk in speaking truth. But here's a little illustration that's been very helpful in my marriage and I try to share with others. It's this, it's really, really simple. It's a bank account. And it's a goodwill chip bank account. Think of your relationships in this way. That if we build in good, healthy things in our relationships and we enjoy being together, we're making deposits into our account, right? That we've had a nice meal. We've gone for a walk. We had a quiet time together. We prayed. We, we, did, we enjoyed something together. We, just, we were together and we were building into our relationship. And that bank account was filling up with goodwill chips, right? Let's say now in a relationship, I have to challenge you on something. I have to say, hey... You know I love you and we've been friends for a while. But I see this in your life. And I've got to call it to attention. What just happened to the bank account? It took a withdrawal. If it's a healthy relationship, 
And it's one where we've really built in. It doesn't bankrupt it. Too many of you have bankrupt relationships. And when you try to take withdrawals through truth-telling and confrontation, you've withdrawn it to the point of bankruptcy where all of a sudden you are the enemy. Part of truth-telling has to be building in first. I want to be around people who tell me truth, but I want to be around people who tell me truth for the right reason. I have a friend uh, back in uh, Rock Hill. He's a good friend. He's an elder. And there was one time that something happened with one of my boys. I haven't even shared this with them, but something happened with one of my boys, and I didn't think anything of it. I was just with him and out on his farm, and we were talking about it later. And he said, he came over to me. He said, Bill, I really have to talk to you. And now this wasn't a short drive for me to get out there. So I drove out there and I sat down and we had a cup of coffee. And he came and he sat with me and he goes, this is so hard for me, Bill. I was like, just say it. I'm thinking, my gosh. <laughs> you know, he goes, you know, I love you. I said, yeah. He said, you know, I respect you deeply. I said, yeah. Said, I didn't like the way you treated your son in front of other people. A father shouldn't do that. Was that easy to hear? But could I receive it? Yeah. I knew his heart, I knew his motivation. I had a relationship with him. And you know what I said to him? Thank you. Because I didn't notice that. I was blind to that, and I appreciate you being a dear enough friend to me to come alongside, and it troubled his heart. It bothered him enough that he had to go, Bill, but I'm willing to risk this friendship with you. I'm willing to risk this. I'm willing to take a a withdrawal out of the Goodwill Chip bank account over here, but I have to do this. And it was beautiful. And you know what? I went and I rectified the situation, and then I went back to him and I said, thank you. He hadn't become my enemy. He'd become even a truer brother in that. So, motivation. It's the motivation for you to speak truth to one another, love or something else. Sometimes you want to just put people in their place. Sometimes you want to feel good that you have the truth and they don't have the truth. I don't know what your motivations are. They're always dripping with little add-ons. But in general, is the motivation for this in your life love? Is it done within the context of healthy, loving relationships that you have a relationship with this person to be able to go and speak to them uh, that way? Be careful of counterfeits in the middle of it. And be careful of counterfeits of other people. You need to be very perceptive of why people are in your life and what they're saying to you and what they're wanting from you. And then finally, consider the costs. You could lose relationship over this. But the hope is that what you gain is an even deeper, more profound relationship. And what you gain in this is that person thriving in the truth. Walk in the light as brothers in the light. Invite one another into the truth. Invite, that's the kind of relationships we want here, is truth-telling. Now, we're done except for this. Please don't go home and start truth-telling. Honey, Reverend McCutcheon said, I just need to tell you, that dress, get out of here. It makes you look horrible. And buddy, you just need to clip it off because the wind takes care. I mean, don't go doing that stuff. Don't just start at each other. Start here. B. 
build into relationships, love one another, check your motives, and then begin to say, can I come alongside you and talk with you and love you enough to tell you the truth? Okay? Because I don't want my email filled up tomorrow morning with, well, thanks for that, Bill. I just got blasted by everybody and my phone ringing off the hook. But I want us to be a truth-telling church. We will speak the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is no way to the Father except through him, and we'll say it unabashedly. And that doesn't make us the enemies of those who are outside the faith. It actually makes us love them more, that we want to bring them to the truth, and we want to take that truth and live it out through our broken, busted lives in an imperfect fashion, but in a way that hopefully leads them back to freedom in Christ, not to damnation. Are we going to do it perfectly? No way. But at least we're going to try to do it together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the beauty of your word, that it challenges us. Oh, we hate to have to tell truth in these things unless it really makes us feel good or makes us look better. But God, would you work in us? And thank you so much that you were willing to speak the truth to us. You gave us Christ, who is the truth incarnate. We hold your word, which is your truth. Father, would we pursue truth? In love, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.